Exodus chapter 3, verses 1 through 12. Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. He led his flock beyond the wilderness and came to Mount Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of a bush. He looked, and the bush was blazing, yet it was not consumed. Then Moses said, I must turn aside and look at this great sight and see why the bush is not burned up. When the Lord saw that he had turned aside to see, God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. And he said, Here I am. Then he said, Come no closer. Remove the sandals from your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. He said further, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord said, I have observed the misery of my people who are in Egypt. I have heard their cry on account of their taskmasters. Indeed, I know their suffering, and I have come down to deliver them from the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land to a good and spacious land, to a land flowing with milk and honey, to the country of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. The cry of the Israelites has now come to me. I have also seen how the Egyptians oppressed them. Now go, I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? He said, I will be with you, and this shall be the sign for you that it is I who sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. This story of Moses and the burning bush are a familiar story uh, in most Christian circles, in most religious circles. In any circle that has any encounter with the scripture, it is the Moses story at the burning bush that uh, seems to have a, a great power. It seems to have a great uh, leading up to what God is about to do. And the power of the story is something that I, lo I love. Now, my mom was a librarian. Uh, she also had, was very, very shy. Uh, and because of that, uh, she, who was supposed to be the family storyteller, wound up being the family story keeper. You have those people in your, in your family. Those people who know all the family stories. Some of them you won't share. Some of them you don't want shared. Uh, and so you know those folks. So my mom handed down to me the, the job of being the family storyteller. And some of those stories are, are, are wonderful. Some are not so wonderful. The scriptures are a, it's, it's a collection of the story of the family of God. In fact, I, re, I love Albert Altner's uh, definition of that in the old disciple Bible study videos. When I say old, every once in a while I look at myself and I go, I'm not, well yeah I am, I'm old. But those original videos, he described the Bible as the story of covenant making and covenant breaking. It's the story of how God came, uh, worked within the context of his people's lives from start to infinity. So, with that being said, uh, this story has great power. Now one of the great storytellers of the 20th century 
was a prolific and profound Christian writer by the name of C.S. Lewis. If you are not familiar with that name, you might, you've, you've probably read some of C.S. Lewis materials if you read any kind of Christian books during the 20th century and, and beyond. Uh, some great stories. Actually, C.S. Lewis was responsible for one book that was compiled much later, and he actually read devotions over BBC while uh, the Germans were bombing London, uh, and he would read those devotions. And you can listen to those online, by the way, if you just search for them. But if you don't know his Christian writings books, you may be familiar with some of his other books, a series called The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, the, Nor the Narnia series which, by the way, is, a, is patterned after the Gospels and the history of the church. C.S. Lewis, great Christian. But you know how he became a Christian? He became a Christian when two other friends gathered for dinner on September the 19th, 1931, while they were professors in one of the Oxford colleges. And in that dinner, there became a conversation about the difference and the impact of imagination and myth. Because you see, they were all writers of stories, C.S. Lewis was. Now, he was a writer of stories, but his good friend, who was also in this discussion, was J.R.R. Tolkien. At this point in the life of C.S. Lewis, he was an agnostic, almost an atheist, did not believe in God at all. In that discussion, he was struggling with this understanding of myth and, and even brought up the scriptures in that discussion at dinner. And J.R.R. Tolkien took him along the side of a river close by where they were having dinner. And through the evening to the early hours of the morning on Addison's Walk, they discussed this whole idea of story and myth and imagination. C.S. Lewis challenging almost everything that J.R.R. Tolkien was saying because J.R.R. Tolkien had such a deep faith. And as they talked about that, finally it came to a point where C.S. Lewis is just going to say, but isn't the Scripture just myth? And, and, and J.R.R. Tolkien tells him, no, it's truth. It is the story that is truth of how God is alive and active in this world. And he said, but no, he said, no, it's myth. And he said, C.S. Lewis said, I, I don't understand this context between myth and history. And, and J.R.R. Tolkien looked at him and said, actually what you're talking about is this is God's truth. This is his story. Say his story pretty fast. And what do you get? You get history. All of a sudden it clicked in C.S. Lewis' mind and somewhere early in the early morning hours along Addison's walk, he was converted to Christianity. The power of the story, of the story. Now this story we have today has, has what every story about God interacting with the world and encountering uh, others in this world, individual heroes and others, it, it, encountering the people of God in many different ways. It's actually a four chapter story. It's chaos, it's God showing up, it's God recognizing suffering and misery, and God bringing deliverance. Now, I know that as a preacher, I learned in seminary that sometimes a sermon is constructed with three points and a poem, and I just gave you four, I'm sorry. 
But the reality is that that is actually our story, and it is the story of the Scripture as well. Chaos can happen wherever we are. Chaos can be in individual lives. Chaos can be in churches. Chaos can be in organizations. Chaos can be in the world. Right now, we live in a chaotic world. We live in a world where there are so many things that would cause chaos in our lives. Uh, Economic issues, uh, war, famine, you just name it. Chaos can exist out there. If you don't believe there's chaos in the world, just turn on the evening news one, one afternoon and see what happens. Yes, chaos exists, and we have to be careful that chaos doesn't overcome us. That it doesn't become the order and that we live in the midst of that chaos. Because into the chaos, uh, God generally shows up. In fact, always does. Now, you remember, God is real good at chaos. (laughs) Because if you go to Genesis 1, it says, out of the chaos that was existing there, God created the heavens and the earth, and then He called it good. Now, I love that. Out of the chaos, out of that that nothingness and chaos that existed, God created all that we know and exist in our lives and in this universe, and He called it good. So, God is really good at chaos and turning it into something else. Every once in a while, I have a pastor in my district now who reminds me when I start thinking and worrying about all the chaos that has taken place in the denomination late, lately, I, I, I look to him and he will look at me and wink because I know what he's going to say. He says to me, you know, God is about to turn the chaos of what's going on in our church into something new, and he's going to call it good. Going to call it good. Wow. Out of the chaos, God shows up. And... When he shows up, as in this story, God recognizes, God recognizes the misery and the suffering that God's people goes through. In fact, if you think about it, the chaos can sometimes so blind us that we can't see God. We may feel alone. We may feel abandoned. We may feel like that there is no way that we're ever going to connect with God because the chaos is too great. But think about what the stories of the Old Testament taught us. Elijah, (laughs) Elijah who was living a chaotic life on the run himself, he encountered God in the cleft of a mountain in the chaos of of lightning and thunder and wind and fire. And all of a sudden God shows up. And Elijah's purpose for his prophecy becomes reality, and he is called to something new. King Nebuchadnezzar uh, was faced with an awful problem in the Old Testament. Uh, He was struggling with the idea of the Hebrew people being in captivity, and he was beginning to, uh, along with Daniel and some of the three young men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were beginning to kind of have an effect on him. He was beginning to see things that God was doing that that he had never imagined that this one God could do. And, and, And so, in the midst of a fiery furnace, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, in that fiery furnace, King Nebuchadnezzar sees sees God. And then it comes to Moses, a murderer on the run from Egypt. And as he's running from Egypt, in those moments, he encounters a father-in-law that sends him up on the mountainside to keep the sheep. And in the chaos of a burning bush that is not consumed, 
God speaks to Moses. And he says to him, put off your shoes. This is holy ground. He says to him, I have seen my people's misery. They're suffering. And then he says, in many ways, almost an implication, I'm going to do something about it. That's not in the Revised Standard Version of the King James. But that's essentially what he was doing. I'm going to act. And oh, by the way, Moses, you're the one who is going to spread the word of deliverance. You're the one who is called. God shows up out of the chaos, out of the chaos of slavery, of suffering in Egypt. And he sends, he sends this one who, who Moses has decided he's not capable of doing it, this one who has decided he can find an excuse that will keep him from having to do this. But he sends Moses to spread the word, to let God's people go, to be free, to claim, to claim that promise he had made with them from the very, very beginning. From the very beginning. Now Moses says, now wait a minute, Lord. You know, I, I have trouble speaking in front of crowds. I'm not eloquent, he says. And then he says, well, you know, Lord, even if I go and do this thing for you, I, I don't know your name. How in the world can I, how in the world can I tell them who sent me if I don't know your name? And so God does this amazing thing. God said to Moses, I am who I am. Tell them I am has sent you. In Hebrew, that translation goes back and forth in what it looks like, but Essentially, that, that I am is Yahweh. This is the name of God. Tell him, I have sent you. Out of the chaos, God always shows up. He sees when we're suffering. He sees when we're facing difficult days. He sees when there are things that make us feel like we can't even, we can't even survive till tomorrow. But he always sends deliverance and redemption and hope because God never leaves us alone. If it's a burning bush on the side of a mountain, if it's the need of a Messiah as Jesus walked the hills and valleys of Canaan, whether it is the early church struggling feeling that they are being persecuted, like the church at Rome, who Paul has to write and say, there is nothing in all of creation that can separate you from the love of God. God was always there, always strengthening, always delivering. In these moments, gathered in this place this day, if you're struggling with an issue, if you're struggling with the chaos of life around you, or you know others that are struggling, I remind you to remember that four-chapter story. Out of that chaos, God is showing up for you. God sees your suffering, and God will deliver you. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.
Amen. Hello, my name is Kevin Payne, and I'm the senior pastor here at Bluff Park United Methodist Church. Thank you for joining with us in our podcast of our worship celebration, the sermon this past week. I pray that you found it a blessing and that it enriched your life. If you are ever in our area and would like to join with us in person, we are located at 733 Valley Street here in Hoover, Alabama. Our service time is 10 a.m. and we would love to meet you. I pray you have a blessed week and hope to see you soon. Bye now.